Hello, we are Terra Nova, a horror podcast. We're hosted by Kendall and Jackie. And here we talk about everything well, horror. And this podcast is specifically for you, the horror fans, and also the non-horror fans. If you're too scared to watch the movies, it's fine. We talk about it, we discuss it, we dissect it, we laugh about it, talk about the good, the bad, the tropes, and new episodes are launched every Monday. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram at TerranovaPod. And leave a review, five stars, of course, on all platforms that you listen. And last but not least, tell a friend, tell a friend, tell a friend. And tell your dog, too. Cool dog. <laughs> Hello. What's going on? Uh, leftovers. That's what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like the one good thing about Thanksgiving is it's the leftovers. I hope everyone had a good Thanksgiving, however you celebrated it, however you want to do it. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, word. If raisins and your potato salad is your thing, it ain't mine, but go for it. <laughs> oh, God. Raisins and potatoes. If dry sorry, turkey man. is your thing, just don't give me none, but go for it. That's <laughs> We're trying not to shade you all. Why? Who puts raisins in their potato salad? Let me shut up. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so still November, um, we're reaching the end of Native American Heritage Month. We've been recommending this movie by so many people. <laughs> Word. We're finally going to do it. And that is Blood Quantum. And oh my God, I got to say this is going to, because every Thanksgiving, I sometimes watch like Adam's Family because of, you know, Wednesdays speech that she gives about mm-hmm. you know all the, all the injustice being done with native americans yeah i think i just put my favorite new thanksgiving movie to watch every year this is gonna be it this is my new like movie to watch every year well you love zombies so that makes sense that and also the message behind it, it was just like holy shit uh i i can't wait to get into it so summary man summary <laughs> like i'm so ready <laughs> <laughs> Damn, Jackie's so excited. She didn't even say the title. So this week, <laughs> I did say the title. I said Blood Quantum. <laughs> I got. I know. I'm just not switching. Uh, I got it. I got it. Well, I got it. Um. So yeah, this week, yeah, we ended, we ended the month on a high note. Not that the whole month wasn't a high note. Definitely some good stuff for this. But this was highly, highly recommended to us. Uh, for a while actually. Um. So yeah, we're doing the 2019 zombie film Blood Quantum. Which before I even get into the summary, I just gotta say word quantum is such a cool fucking word like <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. like i don't even care the context you use that word and it just sounds cool it could be like water quantum people quantum liquid quantum it's the word quantum is just dope i think of the quantum range of power rangers but i'm just saying the word quantum is lit uh so i had to get down my system i was thinking that the whole time every time i saw the word uh but yeah let's hop into the summary real quick so jackie can burst into flames and say everything she wants to say <laughs> but quantum yes it's said 2019 Canadian indigenous zombie film. And that is a lot you probably think. Cause I know our folks up north sometimes be like, Yo, y'all don't mention our films. Like, they don't say that to us. But I mean, like, it's just the context of horror. I feel like a lot of times Canada kind of gets left out unless you live there. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we mentioned that as well when we did uh, Black Christmas. We were just like, yo, this movie is like, it's up there. Like, I don't hear this movie be talked about enough. I hear it talked about, but not enough. And I'm sure this film will fit into that category at some point because it is definitely noteworthy. But Blood Quantum. It takes place in Canada. I don't think they specify exactly where, 
at least I can't remember what's off my head, like where in Canada exactly. But it, it definitely is, seems like. Yeah, it didn't say exactly, but I know that it's it's set in 1981 in a Red Crow reservation spot. Yes. But they didn't say exactly where that reservation is, but yeah. Yeah, they they didn't say that, which I'm sure was probably intentional in some way. But uh, yeah, 1981 Red Crow Reservoir, so reservation. Uh, we basically follow, I would say in a way the movie kind of centers almost around this one family in particular. Uh, and, and in this land, they, they get, the movie opens with the grandfather fishing as he normally does, getting on, getting his food. He starts, you know, gutting the fish up, getting ready to cook it, have a good meal, um, which anyone who's gone fishing and went through that process knows. I ain't gonna lie, fresh caught fish is good as hell. <laughs> it's really good. So I was kind of looking forward to the meal he made, but we didn't get to that because while he was gutting the fish, the fish actually started to come back to life. Yes, fully gutted fish who clearly been out of water for a while, started just flopping and flopping and flopping back to life. And he was confused as fuck. But I love his level of confusion. It wasn't some stupid shit where it was kind of like, well, what is this? It was more like, nope, something wrong. <laughs> and I need to talk to somebody very urgently. Uh, and, and, and enter the... You go from the grandfather to enter the father, Taylor. The grandfather's name, I'm going to try to say it. If anyone who actually knows how to say these names, please don't feel offended by how I say them. I do not know how to say these names. But they all sounded very beautiful. Uh, the grandfather's name seems to be like Gishu. Yeah, like, yeah. Gisu, Gisu, yeah. Or Gisu, yeah, is- or something like that. Yeah, it was something like that. Yo, he was a robot. Something like that. But, but I'm going to get into he that was later. Probably he probably my favorite character. Hell yeah. But that's the grandfather, and then enter the, I guess, next generation, his son, uh, Trailer. I guess that's how you say it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that seems right. Trailer. Uh, so, enters him. He, trailer is like the, basically, you could say the sheriff of the town. They call him the chief. He's like, kind of like the one guy that everybody has love to. He seems to be like the head of the police force, from my understanding. And he seems to be just the one that everyone calls for, like, you know, issues that are happening in the community, whether it's like somebody gets arrested. Somebody goes, you know, off of the reservation and then gets in trouble with the uh, townies, as they call them, which is basically like all the white people and all that outside of the reservation. Um, he's the one that people tend to call to like, hey, man, come get your son or come get somebody who's been in trouble. He seems to be like the go to like responsible guy and like the go to like just like community leader in a, in a sense. Um, enters him. Uh, you see one or two issues he's having. His, his son is his sons have been arrested, both of them. Uh, but he goes to meet his dad. His dad's like, hey, come through. Something's weird happened. He's like, okay. He gets there, and he, he's like, hey, uh, what happened? He's like, look at that bucket. Looks in the bucket, and they're like, the fish. And he's like, it's dead fish. What's the problem? And then the fish start flopping around, and the dude's like, what the fuck? Like, how is that possible? He's like, I don't know, but I've been fishing for 60 years, and that shit does not happen. <laughs> so, which, like, he kind of told me, like, they had a little bit of, a, like, a very respectful relationship, I would say, between father and son there. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. you don't get all of history of it, but just, like, that interaction kind of told you he was kind of like, he'll trust his father's word. And then the dog that he earlier shot uh, came back to life as well. So he was just like, okay, every, something's going on strange here. Things that are supposed to be dead are now coming back to life. You get to his sons who are in jail. He has two sons. One of them, they're both like half brothers because different moms. Uh, one mom has passed. The other one is still present. She brings to Taylor, Trailer's attention that one of the sons is in jail for like messing, playing around with the other son and doing dumb stuff. Uh, and he's like, okay, cool. He goes down there to get it resolved. They, the white hillbilly guy who was inside of the cell with them turns into a zombie freaks out he they bites the one of the sons he bites the one of the officers who was trying to um trying to contain him it all goes to hell they're like what the hell's going on they finally get to the hospital because he's trying to get the bite checked out because mo- his mom is a nurse just for clarity the two sons 
names are Joseph and Lysol. Lysol is the older brother who's like a bit of the troublemaker. Joseph is the younger one who kind of tends to get in trouble in, in a way as it seems like to, to kind of bond. He kind of bonds with his brother through getting in trouble. Very interesting relationship there. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Joseph goes to the hospital because his, his girlfriend, well, cause, one, because he's injured, and also because his girlfriend was actually considering, she was pregnant and she was considering getting an abortion. Uh, so they're kind of having that conversation and figuring out what they're going to do there. And then a few things break out at the hospital and the, the, the doctors there are like, yo, run, the, per- the patient here is just wilding out. So you just start seeing all of these tiny events that are happening around town with pe- people just going to hell. They report that a lot of people are just being bit. They don't know what the fuck is going on. Trailer, he goes to investigate one case, which seems like with one guy he's familiar with who tends to get into some handful of trouble, whether because he's drunk or not. He's like, what's going on? He's like, my, my wife, my, my girlfriend's acting kind of strange with the baby. I don't know what's going on. He goes to the checkout. Turns out she is a turned into a zombie and she actually ate the baby. And then now they unfortunately had to kill her because she was just like fighting them to like no end. And then they're just like, well, I don't know what the fuck this is, but everything is walling out. And then we get a time skip to six months later. And now the world just seems to be a little different. You, you see all of the indigenous people kind of have like their own little section that they're kind of surviving off and dealing with, doing their own thing. You, you find out like very briefly that the impression, the impression is that all of the indigenous people are immune to the virus that is that's outbreak. All of the, I'm going to just say white people specifically, because there weren't many, everybody in this movie was either white or indigenous. And having been to Canada myself, there are a lot of white people. <laughs> I'm just saying that there are a lot of white people in Canada, so much so that I think I mentioned on this podcast before. When I went to Montreal, when it was in Montreal, yes, when I went to Montreal, another black person saw me, and he was so surprised that he saw another black person. So that just said everything I needed to know about the population in Canada. I'm sure there are parts where there are black people, but or even just non-white people. Yeah, this this area, this movie definitely wasn't one of them. Uh, so yeah, all of the zombies for the most part are white people. They are not immune to the virus. They are the ones turning and biting people. All of the indigenous people, as far as we know, seem to be immune. That does not mean they can't die. They can still be ripped apart and all of that. But they're still, they're nicely immune. They can get bit and still, like, go on normal once they survive the encounter. So now you have, like, this land that they're basically, Trailer and his family, his father, his sons, and all of them, and in a bit more of a bigger group of survivors who have come in, like, indigenous or not, who, like, you know, are from the reservation, or even some white people that have, have, like, found their way there are kind of living together in this place, and they're kind of making it work the best way they can. Uh, you get this encounter where this white, I wouldn't say couple, but let's just say, like, survivors, they came along, uh, and they're trying to get in. They're like, hey, uh, could you let us in? And, and Lysol is one of the, like, he kind of runs a renegade group, I would say, as part of their, like, situation. He runs kind of like a rene- renegade, almost like off-brand group. It just seems a little bit more loose. You know, every... Every survival group usually has that. You have the people that kind of stay in line, and you got the few people that are kind of like the crazy ones, so when, like, shit really gets hectic, his group kind of seems to be that. And they're, they, they encounter these, these white people trying to get in, and they're like, what's going on? They're like, what's going on? And they're like, well, um, we traveled all this way. We heard you guys could possibly care bites, and we just want to get in and get safe haven. The world is going to shit. And Lysol and them are like, but why should we help you? Like, what, how we know you're not going to come in here and just infect everybody further? And they're like, no, we're going to be fine. It's just my daughter. She's just not feeling too well. And then they put her down and they realize his daughter was bitten. And he's like, what the hell? Like, what is going on? Uh, and the guy's like, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't tell you she was bitten. Um, but we just need a safe haven. Like, she's not doing too well. Things are going on. He's like, she can't come in here, bro. Like, she was, <laughs> she was bitten. Yep. Uh, and just like, the, but the way Lysol dealt with it, him and his group, it was very, very hostile. It wasn't even just like, like nah, we can't do that. It was very, very hostile. Almost like, uh, 
or just for a complete reverse and power dynamic. That's really what happens here. Um, the world basically goes from one where, like, you know, whoever has the most resources, stuff like that, are in charge, or anybody who's, like, pretty much, like, non-native, for the most part, is probably in charge of some in some way and now that world has flipped entirely because the only ones immune are the indigenous folks so now there's that weird power dynamic at work and yeah so they just they, they the little girl's about to turn they have to kill him um trailer steps in because he's like yeah you he, he basically steps in on his sunlight so he's like i right, kind of being disrespectful but we can handle this accordingly and he's like all right she can't come in here because she was bitten but you guys could go in grab something eat or whatever make yourself at home and uh throughout the film there's basically like a bigger conversation about whether or not they should help all the uh, the white survivors that come along should whether they should help them or not because at some point their population may overgrow the one that's existing so yeah there's there's a really interesting dynamic there and um they're pretty much surviving the whole way but the the big i guess you could say uh turn and uh horror outside of the zombies kind of similarly to the walking dead is that the people are the people who are the problem more so than the zombies so at some point instead of there being like which some maybe would predict it as like, you know, a white overhaul of like white people coming in and just being like, we need to take over this indigenous group who figured this thing. That's not what happens. It's more of a almost a force from within where Lysol has a disagreement with how things are being handled and then kind of forces a massacre to kind of happen upon the that where where they're living and where everyone is surviving. And it just leads into a big turmoil where shit just kind of turns to hell. But yeah, that's the, the best way I could summarize it. It's a zombie movie. It's a zombie movie, but definitely that feels like it has some history and uses some of the social angles of indigenous people, what they've experienced in Canada and probably worldwide and turned into this really crazy bloodbath of like insanity. But it was really, really, really interesting movie through night, throughout. So uh, for now, I'll cut that short and then we can get into it. So Jaggy, how'd you feel about the movie? Likes, dislikes, what, what's up? Well, one thing I will say is uh, that was actually a really good summary. Cause a lot that happens in the movies, a lot that happens. <laughs> so the way you summarize it, she was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, this movie! And remember when we recorded "Night of the Living Dead" the remake with Shia? Yeah. And the way we felt recording it, and that was a long ass episode, my guys. Like guys, mm-hmm. that was a long episode recording. We went in and that. That is how I feel about this and also how we did get out with um, mm-hmm. our friends over at Girl That's Scary. Like, yeah, the same feeling I have because this movie and again, this is we talk about this all the time in the podcast. I mean, you guys hear us, you know, horror is such a great way in storytelling when it comes to certain themes that people are uncomfortable having or don't want to have or just want to brush it over what yeah. jeff like uh let's see yeah what jeff barnaby did with this movie was just genius because he based it on something that's actually that actually really happened in canada which was let me see what was it? uh it was a it was something that happened that caused a huge rift in Canada. And it was like a huge thing. Um, oh yeah, it's called Alanis Albersawin. Sorry for if I'm mis- mis- uh, mispronouncing the name. Incident at Restaguacha at 1984. Which is what happened. It was a reservoir that happened where white settlers came in. Gave a limitation on fish. On fish. On native land. Yeah, fishing and stuff like that. And did a whole like like a massacre in a sense. And it was over fishing rights. And he took that and was just like, he said that how like not many people know about this. 
And he was just like, the only way to sit people down to know about it is to do it in a in a different type of way. And that's what he did with this film. The opening shot with the fish, that's an homage to that movie. The whole movie is, is basically that documentary, but exaggerated because of zombies. But it's, it's so yeah. brilliant because the zombies, it makes sense of who they are. This movie is just, it's full of irony. It's full of karma. It's just, it's, it's just so like... Wow. <laughs> I mean, I definitely want to get more into it, but like that's that is my first impression. Like watching it from beginning to end, I, I even asked um Armin, I was like, a scale from one to train to Busan, how do you feel after watching the movie? <laughs> and we both were just like trained to Busan because it is it is very emotional. It's very emotional driven. It's it's informative heavy, it's message heavy, it's just like yeah. Thank you to Marissa and everyone else who was like, You guys gotta watch Blood Quantum. Like, oh my god. <laughs> I'm so happy we did it. Yeah, worry, we finally made it here. It's been a long time coming to watch this movie. I'm happy we finally made it. Even you know, uh <clears throat> we did a yeah, we did we we guessed it on another podcast that an episode's gonna come out soon where we were on Gore Friends and even they mentioned it in the movie. It was like you guys have to do blood quantum. I'm like, Yep, that's on the list. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm happy we finally did it. But yeah, no, first impressions as well. I feel I feel I liked it. I liked it a lot. It was I feel like uh, even without the understanding of all of the historical context, the movie is still interesting. It's, it's still, um, it's still cool. It's still like it's you know, if you're not, I don't know if you weren't born yesterday, it's pretty easy to understand certain things. Like I had no idea about a lot of the historical events that he was particularly specifically referencing, but it was still an easy to understand movie. You know, uh, and you said it before too in other podcasts. Like when you're a person of color, you understand injustice. You understand discrimination and you understand rage where it comes from when it's other groups that are non-white. And it was so easy to understand, especially Lysol. Like, yeah. when it came up to light, I, <laughs> after, like, for a while, I was just like, yo, Lysol's such a dick. But then again, you understand both sides of Lysol's reasoning for what he did. Because in my notes, I kind of wrote, I was like, yo, Lysol reminds me of Killamonger for Black Panther. That's exactly what it. I was thinking. <laughs> you understood it. You were just like, okay, you, you, you. At one point, you're just like, okay, you're being too wild. But at second point, you're just like, you know what? He's not wrong. He's not wrong. And I just love the symbolism throughout the movie because, again, like, I mean, Jeff Barnaby said that how he was worried that if a white person watches this movie, they're not going to understand it. It's going to go over their heads if they don't know the historical context of the native lifestyle. Like what went through in history back in the day and what's going on now is going to go over their heads. And for me, I mean, I'm sure you feel the same way too. Like watching it, we know about the history. We know the history. You know, we have a clear and cut, you know, understanding of it. We know what happened. We know what is still happening. And the metaphors and symbolism throughout every shot. It wasn't just one continuous movie. No, it was multiple shots giving like, like symbolism especially like when when they so yeah so the world's in in shambles six months later the reservoir is the only place that's safe right now outside the reservoir it is danger zone it is just zombies walking around eating infecting and whatever so when the father comes in with the daughter and he was just like we need a safe place i love when life's so sad and i don't know if you i don't know if you missed it i love when he was like we're not gonna let them do that fake ply shit with us and he's referencing to yeah. what happened to, to Plymouth Rock. That's what he's referencing to. And I was like, holy shit, he actually said that. 
I was like, yo, I love that he said that. Where he was like, they're bringing diseases on our doorstep. No, we're not going to let them do that. Yeah. Because, again, recently, you know, Thanksgiving now has changed to um, National uh, Day of Mourning and also, like, Native American Day. Respectfully so. And I saw a headline that said that how there was the tribe that was around, that the descendant of the tribe that was around through Plymouth Rock. He has said that how like his ancestors and his generation had regretted that day. They regretted that letting them come in. It felt like sweet poetry when he was like when Lysa was like, "We're not letting them in. We know what they are. We're not gonna do that." And he warned them too. He was like, "It's gonna be a big breakout here if you guys keep doing this." And he was right. He was right. You know. Yeah, he, he was right. Wrong about it. Yeah. The he, way he it caused happened, it in though, some was, ways, but he was yeah, right. Yeah, because yeah, I was like, the way he did it was kind of fucked up, but he wasn't wrong and i just that whole scene stood out to me the most where i was just like i love that he did that i love that he said that yeah word that scene that scene was so dope but like he, yeah he was right everything he said was right uh even uh even J- uh joss the mother mm-hmm. uh, joseph's mother um even mm-hmm. who's also the nurse she even said it like when you know, when they had it wasn't really an argument but you know before uh trailer and him and some of the older gentlemen went out on the kind of like their hunt and Lysol was like, yo, you letting them in and you keep letting them in and they're outnumbering us at this point. If one of them get affected, that's going to be a problem. Uh, and he was like, they, like, we don't have enough bullets. We don't have enough ammunition to fight off as many as them it could be if they all get infected because there's a lot of them here. And, you know, Trailer, you know, he, he's kind of like, a, I wrote, even in my notes, I was like, he's, he seems to be like a fair and balanced leader. Like, you know, he's kind of like, well, yeah, just because they were pieces of shit to us, maybe when they had the opportunity doesn't mean we need to be that way to them. And I respect that. Uh, so he was kind of like, come on, man, like you kind of like ease up. But even Josh was like, no, nah, he's right. Like, he's right. Like, mm-hmm. he <laughs> he sounds like a, the way he's portraying it. He definitely comes off as a dick. But now nah, he's right. Like, they they do outnumber us at this point because the amount that we've let in and an outbreak would be a problem. Like, he is 100 percent right. Hey, man, there's truth, right? Like how you deliver truth doesn't always how you deliver truth matters. A lot of people say that it doesn't. But I, I believe it does because you can tell somebody that they have a problem. Or you have a problem with something they did. And always the way you say it does matter. Fortunately and unfortunately. That's my husband in that predicament. <laughs> it does matter how you tell people the truth. Because you could say something in like the most, the most terrible way possible and they just don't hear you. Or you could say it in the most honest way and they hear you. Uh, but he said in the most terrible way he can. And he, but he was right. He, that doesn't take away from him being right. Um, but as always, your methods matter, right? Like Just like with Killmonger, which perfect comparison. Because that was literally what I was thinking as well. And wrote in my notes. So I was watching. I was like, this motherfucker, Killmonger. Same thing, like, was kill, was Killmonger wrong? Not really. Was his actions right? No. His actions were not right. Like, the actions he was willing to go through were not cool. He was like, yeah, we could just take all these weapons and murk everybody. 100% right. Uh, would that be right? Nah. Uh, would it be justified? Yes. But would it be right? Mm-hmm. Nah. It, it wouldn't be cool. And uh, I feel like in some ways they kind of portrayed that here with, like, kind of like with Lysol and I would say Joseph. Like, you know, they kind of used, like, the two brothers here. As like kind of those two, I guess you could say battle of ideologies in some ways, because, you know, Lysol is this character who did not have his mother. His mother died. They didn't necessarily seem to explain why or how exactly. But his mother seems to be gone. His mother's passed. He has his father. but It seems like his father might not have been there as much as he probably wanted. God knows what reason it could have been because he was grieving the loss of the mother. We don't fully know that didn't get fully that part didn't get fully fleshed out. But there's clearly a reason. But his father doesn't seem to have any, like, malice against him. He's just more so, like, you know, he doesn't have any malice against him. He acknowledges that he made mistakes. But he, 
he doesn't seem to have any like malice against Lysol. He's still like, that's my son. And it is what it is. Uh, mm-hmm. And then even with same with Joseph, like he, Joseph is kind of like the flip side of that. He has his mother, he has his father. Uh, and it seems like both of them are fairly active in his life. Whether they're like together or not, it doesn't really seem that way that like, they're together, but they seem to have like, you know, a decent, decent enough relationship to parent him. Uh, Cause he's only 18. They're, um, they're both. I would say. I think they're divorced. That's his ex-wife. I think Joss is his ex-wife. Yeah, I think, I think she's his ex. So, but they seem to have a decent enough relationship to still, you know, be parents to him, which is really the important part. Uh, and because mm-hmm. of that, I guess in some ways you could say he has a bit more of a glimmer of hope in his life because all the troubles that he get into, at least from what they explained to us, all the troubles that he get into seem to be troubles based on him trying to spend time with his brother, uh, Lysol. Mm-hmm. That's crazy as hell, but I get it. I get it. He wants you. You know, he's not trying to like leave him behind. He's like, you got family. But uh, honestly, I don't really have any strong belief to believe that he was truly left behind. Just more so that his uh, his rage probably boiled over. It boiled over. And he kind of was like, everybody's left me behind. That's kind of, I think, the feeling he took. But uh, yeah, very, 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 very similar to Killmonger. You know, exactly the same. Killmonger didn't have his. Yeah, it was his father at best. His father dies. He comes back with this rage that kind of drives him throughout his entire life. T'Challa being the complete opposite of that has his parents, has his family, doesn't have that same kind of rage. Well, at least he's a little more diplomatic about it. And so it's two mm-hmm. two sides of a coin. And this movie definitely, I would say, in some ways, tried to show that, and it it kind of worked. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's kind of the formula in any zombie movie. And I mean, Jeff Barnaby said that how, I mean, other articles too have referenced it, but he said that how he did grab. Um, inspiration from, of course, the master of all zombies, George R. Romero, who you know used zombies as a way to reflect social, like no, social life. You know, a hard reflection mm-hmm. that you know, monster, like, the monsters aren't the zombies. We are the the monsters, humans. It, it's just, you can you can feel that too. That the whole entire movie, you feel like you're watching a George R. Romero movie, but it's it's by a Native American for Native Americans, featuring Native Americans. So it, it's different in a sense. And he also said that how, like, you know, he grabbed inspiration also from, you know, Grimmel de Toro, who also does that as well. He's notorious for that. Um, Kai's favorite person, Ari Aster. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he, um, he mentioned someone else. Oh, um, He did mention Robert Eggers in The Witch. Yes, for The Witch, which also was a brilliant movie, too. Um, and these are all great directors, you know, and writers who use horror not to just give you the spooks, to give you the, the, the gore and the jump scares. No, they're giving you horror to tell a story about human living, about human society in a way that makes you go like, oh, my God, <laughs> is this how we are? And it's just like, yeah, this is exactly how we are. Yo. When the reservation scene happened and, like, you know, they had the whole... There's a... I don't know if you noticed a sign where it's, like, red face is safe, but I think non-red is dangerous or diseased. Um, yeah, they have it, like, like outside. if they're red, they're dead. If they're white, they bite. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I know, like, Chief Taylor was just like, oh, someone take that down. But it's the truth. And I just love how... Yo, that girl Lilith, who was just like, I never got bitten. I didn't get bit. I'm fine. You see, she has a whole ass bite on her on her stomach, and I wrote on my notes. I even <laughs> yelled it too, and I was like, "Fucking bite people!" Like I just yelled that so loud. I wrote it in my notes, like explanation, like five explanation marks, like, like just highlighting it so angrily. Cause I'm just like, "Yo, white people." 
Like, I got so pissed off when the dad killed himself and he came back to life. And I'm just like, this is exactly what Lysol was talking about, man. Like, yeah. I mean, I get, you know, Joshua's girlfriend, uh, was it Charlie? Charlie. Just like, but we need to help people, blah, blah. And I'm like, sis, shh. shh. Like, you're lucky you're even here, man. <laughs> you're lucky you're there. <laughs> because you're Josh's girl and you're pregnant with his baby. You're lucky. And it's funny because, like, probably you the know, only reason she was there. Yeah, and, and it's interesting how you do get those characters in every zombie movie where they're like, we need to help people, you know, we're not monsters. And then it's just like, true, we're not all monsters. But given the circumstances and given the scarcity of things, you kind of do have to question yourself. Like, do I help or do I go about my life? And I remember this happened in Walking Dead once. Where Rick yeah. kept helping people and then it screwed him over until one point there was a guy like, help, help. And he was just like, I'm done helping fucking people. And he just drove off leaving the guy to fend for himself. And he got, he got eaten alive. He got eaten by zombies. Yeah. At a certain point, you do question that for yourself. And for this, it was different. Because you have this reservation with Native Americans who have a long history of things being taken from them. It's still to this day yep. for Lysol and some group of people to be like, we're not going to help them because, and I remember there's a line too, they said that how like, how like, oh, isn't it interesting how you're the dependent now to the white people? And it's funny because like, it was always like that, you know, they were always mm-hmm. dependent. They were always latching on on resources that are not theirs and still doing that to this day. You understand it, and you agree, and you stand with Lysol and James and the other, and the other, and, and I think Moon as well, and the other characters who were like on his side of like, yeah, we're gonna stand up to this because we're not doing this anymore, you know. And yeah, yeah, like I don't know. I mean, I probably gonna be like, you're a monster, Jackie. I'm like, listen again. I'm with Lysol. I understood exactly where his anger comes from. I get it, and you know what? How he did it was messed up. I'm not going to deny that. <laughs> How he did it yeah. was very messed up. But he's not wrong. He's absolutely right about everything. It's like, why should we help you with our resources if, if you're just going to like be, you know, useless or whatever? Like, yo, like, I, oh, my God, when they were speaking native and the guy was just like, speak English, yo, I feel like slapping him. I was just like, oh, hell no. Yeah. In that like, moment, I'd have been like, you're not coming in, homie. Exactly. We're <laughs> opening our doors for you. You're the one with your daughter bitten, and then you're the hero. Oh my God, like NASA, like we're being generous for you. If you're disrespectful, then go back out there and get eaten. I don't care. That's yeah, the like, issue. Exactly. This 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 ain't this almost ain't about you. Like this is about how we feel if we deciding whether or not we're gonna do anything for you. Because he's not. Because he went off with that. He was really like he started screaming and shit. He was like speak English. English. And I'm like, dude, uh, they could just decide to kill y'all all and just be rid of y'all because y'all really don't need to come here. And I, I, I agree with Lysol in terms of the numbers. The numbers do matter if you like, if you're thinking about how many people you actually have here. Like, I'm just saying, like, if if it was like an actual zombie apocalypse situation, like, put yourself there in issues, and you have to consider, okay, one group of us completely immune, we good. As long as you don't get ripped apart, we gonna be all right. Another group of us. We, we're allowing in and we're helping we're taking their word for whether or not they're affected or not because it wasn't even like they was doing like strip searches or nothing like that which they totally should have been uh, but they weren't mm-hmm. doing anything like that they were taking their word for it they was like I'm going to take your word for it 
you're worried that you're not affected. I respect that. I get it. You're taking their word for it, and they can still be infected, and they can turn, and they can cause a lot of harm. You have to take into consideration how many people in this, this camp that you have are fighters versus people who are just support. It's almost like an RPG, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have my damage dealers on my team, and then I have my healers on my team. Do I have enough damage dealers to deal with zombies if they got in here? Like, and, and do I have, or, or the numbers of people who are here outnumbering the people who can actually, you know, defend themselves versus the people who are just here for support? Because there's a lot of women and children here. I'm not saying that women are useless, but I'm saying, but the way this camp was set up, it seemed like a lot of the older, older people, like elders, you could say, of the tribe were tend to be like the ones who were in charge. Mm-hmm. And they were the ones who would like, you know, the ones who were in charge of like handling any dangers. And then everyone else kind of like, understandably, was comfortably inside living life, almost completely isolated from like the actual danger. So like keeping those numbers in mind, you, you have to kind of be cautious about like, you know, letting the numbers of people who uh who could become a potential problem for everybody overwhelm the number of people who aren't actually like trained or armed enough to be able to like deal with the problem. So I, I totally agree with the nail. Of course we always gonna say his methods are wrong, but I totally agree with the nail because you can't have like, you know, thirty kids in there and then you have like, I don't know, fifty adults that can like turn into zombies. Like those are terrible numbers. Especially when you saw what like one zombie did when he basically unleashed it on the wrong group of people. Well, the right group of people who couldn't fight back well enough. So that was definitely something that they should have took better consideration of. But I, I understand wanting to be helpful. It's, there's always that point where you help people. Where, uh, and that's not just for zombies, but life. There's always that point where you go, at what point does hurting you help me? Like, that, that point matters. That point always matters, right? You know, it's like some people talk about with toxic people. Like, yo, this person just wants to take and I don't mind giving. But it was like, yeah, but at one point, does giving hurt you? Like, at some that point is there, whether you're acknowledging it or not, there becomes a point. Where helping someone just straight up is like not good for you, and that's something they definitely should have took in mind there. Like especially when the dude started screaming, speak English. They should have they should have been like, yo, that's the line, bro. <laughs> hey, you're not coming up in here at all, cause like if you can't stand us just talking, you 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 can't come here. I get you want to hear what the conversation is. You probably feel like it's about you and it is about you, but they ain't that their community ain't about you. So uh, you you got to figure that out on your own, homie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, it's well said you know very true and it's funny because like when when we have a more understanding that this virus is only affecting white people not the native americans i actually wrote in my notes i was like this is karma genocide this is straight up karma it's exactly karma and i found that shit so funny to me i found that hilarious i'm sure someone's like oh my god that's terrible this ain't this ain't about you no, like, I thought that shit was layers too. Because, like, like I mean, <laughs> people, I feel like sometimes people forget that our podcasts are hosted by people of color. And it's just like, yeah, this podcast, yes, it's for horror fans, but we're kind of also doing this for people who get, like, forgotten. Because, you know, the whole miscommunication, that whole mis- uh, misconception that how women and people of color don't watch horror movies. Like, no, we watch horror movies. <laughs> you know, you don't might hear about it, but we, we love horror movies. Um, but for different reasons. Yeah. It's not for the same reason other people will watch it. And exactly. I found that hilarious and satisfying. I found that so satisfying. That was just, it was karma. You know, it's it's funny how like, cause you know like and the thing too with with the blanket when James took the the girl Jamie took like the blanket. It's like Are you fucking kidding me? Like burn that shit. He was like, <gasps> that was also a symbolism of how smallpox 
came into the tribe. Yeah. Settlers brought in blankets as the offering, but they knew they were tainted and deliberately gave it to them to infect them. So that was also like a nod to that, to look at history. Yep. And the fact that they were the one being killed off, they were the one like they were scared to survive. It, it just felt so like hilarious and how they're going to them. Like, I heard this is a safe place. I heard this and that and that. And like, yeah, who's telling you all this shit? You know, like yep, you're, you're hearing this. Question. And but it's just like, but what is it you have to offer me? Nothing. You don't have anything yeah. to offer me. And I like how, I mean, there's an article that said it perfectly to how, if you noticed it, that they didn't fear the zombies, they fear the white people because they were the ones being turned. Yeah. And that's also goes back to history and also to this day. That's still a real fear that hasn't gone away. People, I, I love how people sometimes say like, oh, you know, I feel like this is over now. Racism is over. It's like, no, it's not. It probably seems over to you because you're not seeing it. It's not in your face, but it's, it's yeah, not. Yeah, you just deal with it. Exactly, like it's not over. It's still a thing, and I, I love, I love the symbolism of that whole thing. That how they're not scared of the dead. The dead doesn't scare them. They know how to deal with that. It's the living that frightens them. Yeah, living is unpredictable, and that's that was the problem. And they, they, they did mention, well, Charlie, the girlfriend, like, uh, who's like she's, she's Joseph's girlfriend. She's white. Uh, so mm-hmm. that matters in the context of the story. Uh. They, she mentions that she, she seems to have told people, or I guess people, I don't know how she got the 411 out, that, like, it's safe there. And even, you know, even Trailer was like, why did you keep, like, telling people to come here? And she's like, we need people keep, to get safe. But I'm, once again, this is one of the situations where you go, yes, it's easy for you to tell people to come here, but, like, are you the one providing the help? Mm-hmm. Like, you, you shouldn't just offer help if you're not the one providing help. That's like me going, you, you go, Jack, you go, Kendall, I hit the lotto, I'm a millionaire. And I go, dope, I know 20 people who need money. Yo, let me go grab them people real quick. <laughs> Jackie, cut them all the check. Like, it's not my help to give. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not my help to give. And I don't think, I think she was missing that in the context of the whole situation. Yes, people need help, but it's also not yet help to give. Like, who's to say that the help that you offer then put you in a situation where you can't even provide for the baby that's in your stomach? Like you, you, mm-hmm. you're offering help without even consulting with the people who are actually in charge of the help that you're that's being offered. You're not you're not thinking this through. And and actually, for for a good point of part of the story, I was wondering a few things that went through my mind. I was wondering if when she gave her little speech about how people thought her vagina was like Pandora's box, I was wondering if she was giving that speech because in one part she felt like the other because she wasn't surrounded by white people. She was surrounded purely by indigenous people. I was wondering if that was part of the reason why she felt that way. Because it's kind of hinted at that her father may be racist or heavily racist. It's very it's hinted at early on when they're at the abortion clinic, and Joseph is like, "Are you embarrassed to like be with me or like to be a sh- to be around me, or or like even of the kid?" And she was like, "It's not me. It's my dad." Um. I, so I was wondering if that was the, if it's like I don't know maybe some of that carried over. I don't know. I, I was wondering about that. I was wondering. if if that was what it was, because like now it has flipped, right? She, because clearly she's not from the reservation. She's what they call the townie. They call it the white people's townie. So she's from the townie, where it's like basically mostly white. And of course, I'm, I'm guessing the indigenous folks go over there from time to time and make party and stuff like that. And then when they get in trouble, the cops and the police meet in the middle. So, so I'm guessing between her jump between those lines, that's where she ended up meeting Joseph. Like I guess he was the, she liked him. They they date and all of that stuff. Uh. And, but she still had like enough of I guess of a community of like a white community that she probably never felt like she was like a other 
Mm-hmm. And then now with the power dynamic being shifted entirely because of who's infected and who's not infected, now she's in, she's inflicted by the other. Now she's like uh, surrounded by other, and she's like one of the few of herself. And I'm wondering if that was part of the reason that she was giving out the SOS so much, was that she was she didn't want to feel like she was the only one of her like only white person there, because I was definitely getting hints of that. Uh, she didn't say it much, and you know she didn't say anything like racist to give us or give us the assumption that she was or that she was like you know just like doing a fetish thing with Joseph or anything like that. She didn't give us any hints of that. But I was also wondering about that when she was giving her speech because I was just like, well, you're here in part because you're Joseph impregnated you, but also like the dad seems like he's a pretty reasonable guy. So even if you were his girlfriend, they probably would have let you stay anyway. But now considering the circumstances you're under, I wonder if you feel like you're the you're alone. That's that's what I was really wondering because they don't the other people that come in here they ain't gonna always come in here with your intentions, and it doesn't seem like she considered that. Yeah, I mean, hmm, that's really interesting. I guess maybe yeah. Um. Also, the whole Pandora box. I mean, I like how she said that because you know the whole mythology of, of Pandora box was that she was a beautiful woman. She had all these secrets, and then until she couldn't take it anymore, she unleashed all of unholy things into the world. And it makes sense uh. why she felt that way because yeah, because that's kind of like what Pandora box is. Mm-hmm. It's a woman who literally can contain certain things, and she just unleashed it onto the world. All the unholy oh, things you could think of, like hell, fires, like famine, all this stuff. And I guess that's when she said that how I see the way people look at me. I see how they see me. And it is probably because of fear of like, is she going to give birth to a, a demon baby? Is she going to give birth to a regular child? Like what's going on? And it's interesting how she made that analogy with herself. And of course, Joseph being, you know, a decent person that he is he was just like no long hair blah blah all this stuff but it it's interesting it could be that too because she was the other you know she was the she was the only person among that whole group that survived before the six month time skip yeah and there are so many times life soul kept saying that how he wanted to like kill her you know he was just like you know just blow her head off do all this stuff because he knew the danger she posed among them where it's like she has no idea like they have no idea how this child's gonna be and it's just very yeah it's very interesting it is so many metaphors so many metaphors yeah word i think it has to do in part as well with the the, the, um proverb that they show you at the beginning of the movie and open the credits yeah yeah i have it written down basically about how white people are destroying the world oh yeah yeah so the the proverb they said to be in the proverb (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the proverb they <laughs> says in the very beginning is take heed to thyself that uh that thou make no treaty with the inhabitation of the land for when they pour themselves to their demons and sacrifice them you will eat their sacrifices and when you choose some of either some of their daughters for your sons and they will lead your, your sons to do the same yeah and, and yeah, that's basically what it was. You know, the whole again, this this is a reference back to like what happened to uh a reservoir that happened here in Canada, you know. Yeah. In history and also what happened here in the States with you know with the history of, of you know, the native and it's it's just it goes full circle. It does go full circle for this movie. It really does. I mean if I was one of the survivors and i'm there in the reservoir and i'm there i i actually would have been like like 
would have sided with Lysol and be like, we should not let them in. It's too dangerous. It's not safe. Let them go somewhere yeah. else. You know, I would have made that decision. Would I feel bad about it? Maybe. Because we're all still human. I also have to consider that I'm not just putting myself in danger. I'm putting other people in danger. Yeah. So, yeah. And yeah, exactly. And that's why I agree. I'm like, at some point you can't help everybody. Yeah. You can only help so many. Y'all, y'all barely figuring it out on your own. Y'all can't just invite everybody. In. And, 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 and you can totally argue that the invitation of allowing other people in is what created the rift within the group that was doing fine. <laughs> Like mm-hmm. without the invitation, if if like if no, if if they were like, not even that all white people were just the zombies, but if there were like no white people coming to their camp to try to like seek shelter, they probably would have been fine. Like it probably would have yeah. never got to this point. I'm sure Lysol would have still had his issues because it seemed like he just had some demons he was fighting in general. Um, mm-hmm. but I don't think if that would have been that would have like uh brought it out of him, he probably would just have had a different problem. He probably would have had a. Pro- he probably would have been like, maybe we should just go out and start killing him. Like that probably would have been his problem entirely. Maybe he's like, all right. Maybe he'd have been like, you know, maybe this was a gift, and maybe we can just go out and just start killing all white people. Like maybe that's how he would have viewed it instead, if like they didn't have any in their camp. Um, but that's just like you know, that's his ideology more than anything else. But that clearly created a rift. The thing too about Lysa too, and I read this in an article, um, preparing for this was that again we we've seen generation generational trauma in like Trickster. We've seen what that looked like. We've seen that what that looks like in Chambers. And they also added that to this. To Blood Quantum. And generational trauma. Like the root of generational yeah. trauma. Like the true root of it. Does go back to. You know. Colonization. That's where it roots back to. Um, and Jeff Bonnerby Described Lysol as. Well first of all. He explained the whole generational trauma. Where it's like, it's trauma and PTS for the next generation. And he compared it to Holocaust survivors. Where when they have their own grandkids and so on and so on, they have to live with that on their shoulders. Like, oh yeah, my family went through this, my family went through that. And it's a lot they have to unpack from all of that, that their family have went through. And the same thing for Native Americans. The same thing. It's no different. Yeah. And he said the help, but for Native people, it's, it's, it's genocide, it's social oppression, it's losing their culture, their language, their lands. And that manifests as, you know, drug usage, self-loathing, and other means. And we've seen that in Chambers and Trickster. We saw what that looks like mm-hmm. in the aftermath. And for this, Lysol is a great example of that trauma. He's self-loathing. He hates himself. He hates everything about it. You know, he's part of that post-colonial Native American person who's, who's with that baggage on him. So his rage is justifiable. It makes sense. How he goes about it is very destructive. And it, it hurts not only him, but those around him. But it makes sense because that's not his fault. That was embedded into him, bred into them because of generational trauma through to colonism, you know, colonization, you know, and yep. it's just like, I love when movies show that, especially for, again, because this makes sense when they show it, you know, it, it, the lands, and I think a character named Moon said that how, like, Earth is like an animal, and it's true. Yeah, you know, I love that part. Er, 
it's it's true. Like Earth is an animal. Like if they get a living sick, animal. Yeah, if, if they get sick, if they get rabid, and they get that, like we we suffer from that. We deal with that from the wrath of that, and you know, Lysol in a way is, I guess in a way, if you really think about it, he's kind of projecting that as well through his persona. You know, with yeah, his he's, anger. He's he's doing uh pretty much exactly like we, we already made the Killmon comparison, but he's doing what he was basically taught to do through what he's mm-hmm. seen. Like, mm-hmm. uh I'll use a Killmonger reference again because it's just perfect. But like Killmonger, the tactics that he used to try to overcome Wakanda were the tactics that a colonizer would have used to overcome Wakanda. He's literally using the skills of his oppressor. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what's happening here with Lysol. He's using the tactics and skills that his oppressor would have used to overtake them. Like, yep, it's clear as day. It's like, it's genius. It's like, it's so simple. You almost go, I didn't even realize that. But that's what it is. Like, it's, it's that precisely. And, uh, and, and showing how the way you show that is like what makes it really, really interesting. It makes you go, oh, okay. This guy gets it. Like, he kind of, he understands how this works. And that's what kind of made me smile a little bit. I was like. This writer gets it like he gets he gets it enough that he understands how to like show that because it is that. And uh, I, I loved uh, to one of your earlier points. I love that he mentioned that he felt like the best way to do it was a genre film was like a zombie film because he was like, yeah, I have these ideas for stuff. But like, you know, sometimes like doing like a as he called a kitchen table drama or something like that. He was like, I feel like those are usually boring to me sometimes like to himself personally. He's like, I feel like they're kind of boring and not always the most exciting way to like get a message across or like show an idea uh but he was like horror is just as the genre where kind of like anything goes and, and if you do something far-fetched as zombies nobody goes well that doesn't make any sense like people just go cool it's horror that makes sense like things that just wouldn't make sense in other genres make sense in this genre and that's why he he did it like this and i appreciate it yeah it's fucking cool it's interesting mm-hmm. it is i mean he's native himself like jeff bonnerby so he mm-hmm. that also is what helped him because he said that how he said that too he was like he he used what he knows of history of himself growing up with and then everything else and it's funny because he wrote this he wrote the script way before way before i think like in 2013 or something he wrote the script and they had yeah, asked him like why did you like, he's like why did you feel he, and someone had asked him like why did you feel you needed to release it during a pandemic and he was just like, why not? This is the perfect time to release certain horror films during a pandemic because it makes sense. People need something to latch on to, to understand, to listen to, to read to during this hard time. And it was perfect. It, it's so ironic and perfect because um, I wrote my notes. I think he said that how, um, you know, for this film, you know, the zombies are white people. But it's during a real pandemic where, where we, sh- we literally see... We saw the true essence of the people in this pandemic. We saw the true form of them. And it was disgusting. It was very disgusting. Like, we saw how people were very, you know, very like, oh, it's about me. It's about me. Very selfish. It was very like, um, I wrote something now, like, neoliberalism. Like yeah, it was just, it was disgusting. It was very gross. Where you see, like, I mean, I've always known how selfish people are. I've always known that. I mean, again, I'm Puerto Rican. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I I I know how selfish people can be and how disgusting they are. 
but with this pandemic we saw like we saw far beyond that it really felt like we were living in a real life horror movie it really felt like that where you didn't know who to trust infected or not infected safe or not safe and, and yeah. I'm, not, I'm not even I'm not, I'm not even talking about those people who might have might have been sick i meant like for their intention what is your intention for me coming to you am i in danger or am i safe with you you know and it it's it was brilliant yeah. that he waited and he felt like this was the right time to release it and it was and it was perfect and it made sense it made perfect sense they did and I also love that he even said, I wrote this shit like 10 years ago. <laughs> He's like, I worked on this a while ago. Like, I've been working on this movie for, it, like, this idea for a while. Like, this wasn't something that I just kind of manufactured in the moment of, like, people realizing that there were injustices in the world. Like, he was basically like, I've worked on this idea for, like, quite some time. Uh, like, he wrote it fairly recently, but he's like, I've worked on the idea for quite some time, which I think is a good point to point out, only for, like, and this is something I, I just like to say, because I feel like sometimes people need to hear it. Um, the way the shit that's wrong in the world now has always been wrong. Yes. Like a lot of things going on in the world. And if you've been listening to this podcast enough, you probably know that because we make a lot of comparisons to things that are happening in real life events. And you're probably like, I never even looked at it that way. It's like, that's good. We, we all learn something every time we do. I learn something every time I talk to Jackie. So we all learn something. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the, uh, these events look new. They, it's more like a remodeling versus a, a re, uh, versus like a, a original idea. Like, you know, whether it's you talking about police brutality, you're talking about anything happened to any type of person of color. And, and then when you, you get into even deeper and you go beyond just saying person of color and you get into the specific groups, whether it's black, Ecuadorian, Puerto Rican, Dominican, whatever. You, we, got, we, we have a million fucking groups and you find out specific issues that all of these groups have. These things have always been here, right? Like the mm-hmm. fact that now it's kind of marketable and it's kind of profitable to talk about these things. That part, I think, is kind of new. Um, it seems to be like uh, every once in a while a resurgence of that being new to people where they go, okay, yeah, you know, we write. TV does have mainly white people. Let's add somebody else. And occasionally we have moments of that and we have hints of that. But the, the, the tragedies and the, the historical context of a lot of the issues that group, different groups of people have had, those issues have always existed. Uh, people, certain people are just starting to notice it now because... It feels like it hits harder now, I think, because of probably, you know, technology makes it easier for us to communicate. You know, I could talk to somebody in the UK and somebody, and I'm all the way in New York. So that makes like, you know, information travel faster and, and it mm-hmm. kind of gives people a better gauge of like what people are actually talking about is measurable now. It wasn't always measurable before. So that gives a perception that, yo, this is new. Like people are just on this bandwagon of like understanding that racism is a thing like. We, we need companies, you know, they'll be like, we need to capitalize on this. Like, people understand that diversity is important. People always understood that. Um, it's just the people who tend to, you know, cut the checks, <laughs> as I like to say, cut the checks for, like, making these, telling these kind of stories. They took notice, and now they're willing to cut the check. Before, they probably wouldn't. Like, a story about a black girl who was just a scientist probably wouldn't have just cut, probably wouldn't have just got, like, big funding behind it. Versus now, if you wrap it in some story of, like, there's girls from the projects and her life was a struggle forever. Now it's probably more profitable to sell. Like that's just that's just how this shit tends to go. A story like this, even Blood Quantum, could have came out twenty years ago. A movie could have came out when I was eight or nine years old, and I probably still would have been like, "Oh, this was dope. Like this was really cool." And I get where they're coming from, just with like my broad general understanding of the things that Indigenous people went through. Like this is this is this hitting nail on the head. That's dope. Like 
Simple as that. Tales from the Hood. We did Tales from the Hood, right? Same thing. We reviewed it in what? Earlier this year, 2021. Movie came out in the 90s. Same shit. Like we all, me, you, and my friend Pierre came on. He was like, yeah, these shit ain't new. Like these, these ideas ain't new. Uh, they just feel new to people who never paid attention. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's funny you mentioned about how it's being profitable now because he also mentioned that how it was thanks to Jordan Peele and Get Out. And I always mention it. it it's, it's the after effect. What Jordan Peele did with Get Out, it, it didn't just start a conversation. It did open more wider doors for directors and writers like this to do that. And I know people are like, oh, it's just comparing it. Like, no, people have been doing that for so long. It's just that he held the door open for them. That is what Jordan Peele did. That's what he did with Get Out. He Facts. opened the door for all these people. It's not to say, like, oh, it's just like this. I mean, yeah, I get it when people say, oh, this is a remnant of, of Get Out. Like, this, this is inspired by Get Out. You can say that. But when you get the core point of, like, what they're trying to do, like, no. It wasn't inspired by it. They already had this. They just now have the opportunity to finally release it, it was thanks to him. And exactly. he said that. Jeff Barnaby said that, like, how, like, it was him with Get Out where it made horror not as a nasty thing, but more as a means of entertainment. It was more being considered important now. It's more, it's not as a, like, a hush-hush, let's not talk about it. It became more of a popular thing now where, yeah, people want to invest it in now because of the way the story is. You know, George R. Merrill did that with Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. You know, he did that too. Far before it's, I was ever even born. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but with Jordan Peele being a black man that he is, basing Get Out on our real black experiences, it opened the door from other people who are also oppressed, who are also dealing with discrimination to be like, you know what? Now it's my turn. Yeah, thank you. And my turn to show what we went through. Like, I mean, look at Spiral. Spiral is a story yeah. about a same-sex biracial couple who goes through the discrimination that still happens to this day. You know, same thing with Trickster, Chambers, and now this. You know, it's it's a real thing. It's it's factual. And, you know, like, and I'm sure he gets it a lot. I'm sure Jordan Peele gets it so many times people tell him thank you. And I'm sure he appreciates that because, again, like, it's, it's thanks to him and thanks to all these other directors who came out of that, who felt more secure to do this as well to be like i could finally do this i wouldn't be able to yeah. get you know notice i mean again we had three four people recommend blood quantum we would i would have never known about this if it wasn't for those people to be like hey you need to watch this. you need to really watch this and, and look at it and i'm glad that we did because again like it's it's just brilliant you know and it shows again i said that how it's very karma driven this movie it's, it's very irony and what, I mean, if you think about the zombies are really just colonizers getting what they deserve. That is what Blood Quantum is about. It's about Native Americans taking their lands back. They're fighting for it, which they still are. But they're getting their, like, in a sense, I guess, revenge movie. If you really think about it, it's kind of like a revenge movie. If yeah. You really, really it, think it, about it. It's, it's almost like a revenge movie from the perspective of the natives and a revenge movie from the perspective of Earth. Because I yeah. do like how Moon, sa- how, how Moon said, and I know Moon will turn out, you know, and quote, unquote, he's kind of one of the bad guys. But even Moon, in, in saying his whole thing about how, like, Earth is a living animal, which mm-hmm. that in of itself should tell you a lot about, like, you know, how, how you treat animals, right? Like, you, yeah. you tend to feed, nurture them, give them shelter, or whatever. That, that's usually a pet. But I mean, like, that's generally, generally with an animal, you kind of let them 
exists in their environment, you, you you try not to influence their environment too much unless it's like you know either with their approval or just some part. You know, kind of like with uh what people tend to reference and almost in some ways stereotype uh native um indigenous people to be like you know there's always a perspective of of how like you know indigenous people they like took care of the land like mm-hmm. whether you want to talk about america canada wherever they kind of like before people came in they kind of took care of the land like you know they took what they needed they uh i remember hearing stories about how like you know we even with like buffalo they took what they needed from the buffalo they used everything on the buffalo like it wasn't like wasteful it wasn't just like we're gonna kill buffalo for the sake of killing buffalo uh, it was more like no, we go, we like we appreciate the things that this animal can offer us. That was kind of what it was. Uh, it was like mm-hmm. it was it's almost like appreciating a parent that delivers you a meal. It was like appreciating what the animal can bring you. The animal can bring you food. The animal can bring you warmth. The animal can bring you comfort. Uh, the animal shelter. can bring you all of these things. Yeah, shelter. Like the animal can bring you all of these things, and not like a wasteful way. Not and uh. I'm sure there are ways that system could be improved upon. I'm sure if like, if they were allowed to continue their custom, they would have found even better improvements to make that work even further. Um, not to say that anything is perfect, because you know sometimes people like to look at stuff and go, "Well, that was like the perfect existence." So I don't want to just point paint it as that, but the fact that they even have that perspective and that that or which, at least from the stories I've seen, as I said, because I wasn't there, uh, from the stories that I've seen and and maybe read about, you hear that they had that kind of feeling about nature and, uh, and about animals and about how things kind of should go and about just preserving the things that are around them that provide them the things that they need to exist this sounds like a beautiful way to live uh it sounds like a, not a beautiful way to live a beautiful way to kind of view the world and just it, imagine if i don't know imagine if other people in the world kind of viewed it that way like if other people view the world that way like i don't know i'm not gonna sit here and pretend i know the specifics of like what coal does to the earth or like fossil fuel and all those things i don't know the math i don't know the specifics i don't know all the data i know there's data that says this and data says that and i'm not even trying to pick a side at the moment because trust me if i was i would (laughs) but what i am saying is just imagine a world where like the people us the people who tend to act like we're the superior beings here if we view the world in that way where we were like okay what if everything we gave to the world it gave back like how would how differently would that make you even treat the next day you follow man let alone how you would maybe treat like the ground underneath your feet. Like how would that, and that's, I feel like what Moon, what Moon was saying, where he was saying Earth is a living animal. Like he could have just been like, it's an animal. And you know, in that case, you can view it as like some fucking wild beast in the woods that just shreds everything apart. But he's like, it's a living animal. And that him even adding the word living to me feels like he's saying, you have to take care of it. Like you have to nurture it. You can't just be wasteful of it because it might give you that back. And in some ways you could say the virus is the Earth giving back what it was given. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he said that. Cause I remember it was him and um his father, uh, Taylor Swaller as well, that was saying, this is a new. But like this this death coming back, this is a new to us. This is kind of like what, what we deserve. You know, maybe this is what's meant to be. It's trying yeah. to reverse itself. And that's kind of like what happened too. Like, remember we had lockdown. They started seeing the wildlife, <laughs> you know, emerge, taking over certain parts of the country and cities and they're like oh my god look at this deer is this is that it's like yeah because they're taking back what's theirs you know like all we do is take we don't give and when moon said that he was like earth is a living animal this isn't new of course the devil come back and do what they're doing you know and maybe the reason why we're not getting infected is because the earth forgot about us i mean that's why we're, we're yeah. stuck to be immune and it's it's interesting when he said that because in some way people might see that as 
you know, I think some some of the folks on the reservation saw that as a blessing. Like, oh, we can't get sick, we can't get sick. But I think some of them saw that as a curse of like, well, why me? Why 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 can't I get sick? What can I do this? Like why why am I stuck here? You know, in a way, is this this is interesting. And I love his dad too. Like his dad was just like, yo, his dad, his was, dad was great. He he took out a horde of zombies with just a sword. <laughs> just a sword. <laughs> Grandpa was no joke. And that was an old way too. That was his old ways. He was just like, I don't need a gun. I have my sword. I have my sword. I love when at the ending when um oh my god, I, I was devastated when like Taylor sacrificed himself for his family and I was like, No. Yeah. Um and I thought his dad was gonna sacrifice himself. I was like, Oh my god, this old man is gonna sacrifice himself, he's gonna die. But I love how satisfying and it, it kinda made me teary eyed when he was like, I would not leave this land again. I'm not leaving this land ever again. When he told Joshua and everyone else like I mean Joseph and everyone to go and leave. And yeah. that felt so powerful and it felt different because we know what these lands mean for these people for them for him to say i'm never leaving this land again and the fact that he survived <laughs> he killed all of them and he was like you're never crossing this line again that was also symbolic that was very symbolic you know he basically um cleansed this land <laughs> of all yeah. these like zombies these you know oppressors and you know in history we have like we have heroes in history like um indigenous heroes that did fight to the death their last breath to, to, to protect us and i remember i was telling Armin, i was crying when i told him this in puerto rico we have one i forgot his name but he was a diana warrior that fought against the acquisition and everyone else because he was like, I'm not going to bow down to religion. I'm not going to do this. And he fought to his very less breath. And because of him, to this day, we just found out three years ago that there are still Diana descendants. So because of him, they got the chance to leave, hide in the mountains and survive. And it was thanks to him for that. That's amazing. We, and we would not have that. I'm about to cry right now. Um, So, yeah, it's beautiful. And that, that whole scene made me cry because that hit me hard. That hit me differently because I'm like I, that. I felt that when he was like, "You cannot pass this line," and he fought for his land. And I'm like, "Yes, we need more of this." <laughs> yeah, that scene was dope. That was one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Action. I love how they kind of cut to like the illustrative style, where it shows him like, like almost like a drawn version of him, like holding up the zombie's head. That shit was dope. That shit was so dope. I loved Grandpa. He was like my favorite character. <laughs> <laughs> I love. Yeah, cool. he was. He was so because he knew. I mean. <laughs> When shit was happening, I was just like, I bet you he knows what's going on. I bet he knows what's going on. Like, all the elders kind of already knew. Like, yeah, this is abnormal, but we kind of know what's happening. Um, And it was just it was just that. And I love the fact that he did that. He survived. And I love the editing, too, they did with the whole, like, going back and forth between life, like, real life, and then, like, graphic novel style yeah. illustrations. Like, it was just so good. And I love the symbolism of Lysol. You know, when they showed to me golf and flames and everything, that's kind of what happened yeah. <laughs> at the end. It kind of foreshadowed his his demise of being killed, which I thought was pretty like, yeah, that was crazy. I mean, okay, so I'm sure some people are like, wait, what did Lysol do? What did Lysol do? Yeah, so Lysol was <laughs> drunk, <laughs> high off his mind, 
And he's talking about, first of all, his story of why he got arrested, that shit was crazy. Like, that, that, that kind of got me pissed off when Lysol was just like, again, the movie kind of opens up with the brothers in jail. So we know what happened to, jo- to Joseph. <laughs> he, he took a shit off a bridge. <laughs> <laughs> so we know that. But we didn't know why Lysol was in jail. So he tells Joseph why he got in jail. He said that how like he's with, with some girl. He's having a fun time with her. And he didn't know that she had her period. So when he goes into jail to, to pick up his homeboy, the guy, the guy's looking at him like, why there's blood over you? You're fighting? Were you fighting? Even though he's telling them no, he did. <laughs> they put him in jail anyway. And I'm just like, what a fucking assholes. And yeah. that whole story was just so fucked up. When he said that, I was just like, yeah. The more and more he says these, I'm like, you know what? I get you, Lysol. <laughs> I'll be pissed off, too. After he tells that fucked up story, he sees that girl, Lilith, who's just like, I'm not infected. She has a whole bite mark on her. He goes, he takes us to a room, and you hear screaming. They come in, you see that she's biting something. At first, I was like, what the fuck is she biting? She's biting a whole dick. <laughs> yeah, she bit his dick off. And he's like, why? I was dying. And yo, me too. I was cracking up. And I was just like, you know what? That's karma, Lysol. That's karma. <laughs> That's what you fucking get. <laughs> you're such a dick. Literally a dick. But it's funny how her name was Lilith. Because, you know, in mythology, Lilith is like succubus. So I yeah. found that shit so funny. I was like, ah, the irony. And I was like, yo, Jeff Barnaby was on his bag. He was in his bag. But yeah, so Lysol's going around dickless. Angry at the world. He's angry his dick got bit off. He's angry at everyone who oppressed him. Again, you ma- it makes sense. He takes Lilith and then throws her into the reservoir. It's like, eat everyone. And you're just like, oh my god, Lysol. But then when they find out what he did, they went, they found him and they shot his legs, right? They shoot his legs? That's what they did? I think she shot him in the shoulder at first. Mm. Yeah, Even yeah. Even though he should have then... been dead because his fucking dick was bitten off. So I was like, there's no way this man would have made it through the night. But it's a movie, yeah, so I'll bear with them. Part of me, <laughs> a part of me was like, did he really get bit off or did it not get bit off? Like, what was it? I don't get I, The whole time, I was just like, was that just an illusion? Because he was it walking around was. like, just on, just on, like, nothing, like, nothing happened. He's just walking around like nothing happened. He, nah, he was definitely still in pain. It just seemed like it wasn't, he, he wasn't in as much pain as he should have been in. That anger, man, all that adrenaline got to him. But, <laughs> but yeah, and then, uh, I believe... It was who was I gave him the knife? I think it was uh Bumper who had a chainsaw. <laughs> that guy was so cool. He had the whole chainsaw. Oh yeah, he was dope. Um he gave Joseph the knife and he was just like, do it. Like take take your payback for what he did. And he stabs him. And that was just so that whole scene was amazing because he's there. He's just lying on the ground, bleeding, and he'd be like, you'll thank me one day for what I did. You're going to thank me one day. Watch. And then Bumper just puts, like, no, the fa- the grandfather comes. He-, he shoots bullets in the air, and the zombies all come and eat him alive. Yeah. And I was just like, wow. That felt kind of like, that shot was just amazing. It was very amazing. That whole sequence of him being eaten, his intestines are just being gouged out. Yeah. It was just like, well, but yeah, like when he said his last words was like, you'll thank me one day. And again, Lysol wasn't wrong about anything. He was right. He knew an outbreak was going to happen. He knew they were 
giving way too much when they shouldn't have. And that how, like, you know, in the end, Charlie is going to have to die. And which happened, you know, Joseph had to kill Charlie because she got bit trying to protect uh, Joseph and them. And she gave birth to the baby. He was actually native. The baby was native. He was, we was going to get sick. It was a girl. Yeah, she was. Yeah, yeah, it was a girl. Yeah. She was like, you know, take her away. You know, she saw her one time and she was like, okay, take her away. You know, I could feel it. You have to finish me off. And that's how it ends with him finishing off. But it was interesting how, if you think about it, it was like, you know how that saying comes where like, out of death comes new life. And that's literally what happened. You know, you have this whole like, on both sides, you know, native and white zombies being killed. And then, Charlie dies, she gives birth to new life, and it's like, death comes new life. And I thought that was really clever with the way they ended it. Um, but, yeah, again, Lysol was not wrong. <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like making a banner, I'd be like, Lysol wasn't wrong. Because <laughs> he Work. wasn't. Yeah, and again, yeah, no, like I but... love how, and again, I love how he used this movie to show you know, colonization to code to show generational trauma, to draw, to show all of this and the whole karma and irony. Like it was just he did such a great job. He did such an amazing, amazing job with this. Like like Jeff Barnaby like, needs a huge like Danny ovation for what he did with this film. Like it's just so good. Yeah, word. I really enjoy it. Uh last thing I just wanted to mention was I really like how uh when they finally did get their hands on Lysol, the grandfather just pretty much grabbed him like he was a little nigga. <laughs> mm. He was like, get over here, little motherfucker. That was basically how he grabbed him. And then he looked at Joseph and gave him the knife like, he didn't say nothing, but he was basically like, this is your brother. You deal with him. That was basically how he, he, he handled the situation. Said yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah, because it's true. In a way, he was his responsibility as well. Like his brother. Like, and like they kind of all knew that. He, they all knew like Lysol was losing it. He was losing yeah. it with, like, he was being stuck. I mean, and it's true what he said, like, you know, even Josh said it too, like, they're, the natives are all stuck together in this reservoir. And he was just like, he was like, you think we're okay with that? Like, we're, we're losing our mind. You know, we're just talking to each other, trying to survive, being scared of the other side. Like, you know, like, we're gonna die off. Like, we, and we, we can't, like, we have to survive. And it's just like, and you get why where that came from too. I remember, I mean, I remember like in Trickster, that's the reason why too, like Wade didn't want to die. He didn't want to die because he wanted to live all with the language and the culture because that was where he died off. And in a sense, that's kind of like where Lysa was coming from too. You know, he was just like, what's going to be left if we're gone as well? There's yeah. no one. No one's going to remember us. You know, and it's just like, and it's so sad. <laughs> like, ugh. but yes, Kendall, let's go from one to train to Busan. <laughs> How did you feel after the movie? <laughs> <laughs> I'll go with Train to Busan. I do like it. I like this movie a lot. It, it probably didn't have as big of a budget as Train to Busan, but I did like this movie a lot, and I would watch it again. It was really good. Yeah, I mean, given the budget, I mean, Jeff Bonnerby, again, he did everything, y'all. He did the writing. He did the editing. He did He did the, the yeah. he co-wrote the score. He did the directing. He did everything because he said it how, like, he's like, yeah, I could hire someone, but that's $500, and that goes my budget. <laughs> he's like, all my budget went on into <laughs> making the movie casting scene everything camera use he put all the money within making the film for a purpose and again it's it's, i felt like it was perfect for him to release it during 
you know, COVID times, because it's true. It, it was a big reflection of what was going on. And it felt, it felt justifiable. The fact that what the zombies represented during that time, you know, and we had all that shit happening during Word. COVID. Like a lot of these were happening during COVID. So it, it, it felt, it felt good. I mean, the casting was amazing. All, all the actors and actresses were incredible. Um, and hopefully we see them in other films. Other big budget films, you know, so yeah, this is great. Um, but yeah, so this is how we're gonna be ending our Native American Heritage Month. But that does not mean that that particularly thing ends. Just like Black History Month, that's every day. Hispanic Heritage Month, that's every day. <laughs> Asian American Month, that's every day. And the same thing with Native American Month, that's every day. So please, like, you know, give back. It's it's important. Yep. Because we are on stolen land, so I feel like people forget that too. So we are on stolen land. This is not our land. <laughs> Respect it. Um, but yeah, uh, any last words? Uh, I'm happy we did this. This month was very informative in a lot of ways. We got to watch some really cool stuff. I'm looking forward to what we do next. We we're doing a lot of great stuff. I'm I'm just having a good time. So that's all I got. Yeah, I was kind of tamed. I was gonna go off, but I was like, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> This movie emotionally drains me. I wasn't gonna go off and be like, you know, fuck you all. But yeah, again, like, watch, the, please watch the movie. Watch this movie. It's it's so educational. It's so entertaining. It's it's everything. And you know, watch how like you know, watch the documentaries that this is based on and everything. Educate yourselves to better educate yourself about everything. And yeah, it's just a good movie. Um, but yeah, I hope everyone had a safe Thanksgiving. Again, or day of mourning, however you celebrate it i hope you enjoyed it and look forward for our christmas theme movies Ooh. um but yeah so later guys goodbye <laughs>